Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast with Kirsty and Isaac. If you are an Amazon seller looking to grow your business with some of the latest tactics and strategies, along with some great guidance for your overall business, then you are in the right place. So pay attention and if needed, take notes. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sprint to Profit podcast. It's Kirsty and Isaac here. This podcast was developed by and for Amazon sellers to highlight the very best strategies on how to grow your Amazon business and to get valuable insights from sellers to illustrate the ups and downs of selling on this incredible platform. In this episode, we wanted to mix it up a little bit for you guys because we're celebrating our 20th episode this week. And so we thought it might be a great time to really explain how the Amazon business has transformed our lives. So this week, I'm actually going to be speaking with Kirsty about her journey in this Amazon business and how she got started. She'll also tell you about how she has seen some extreme highs and some crappy lows in this business and how she was able to overcome them all. So, hey, Kirsty, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. I thought you were going to say our 20th year anniversary. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not even married. We actually actually have separate uh, spouses. We've only known each other for about five years, though. Yeah, exactly. It was funny. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, 20 years. <laughs> Yeah. It feels like 20 years, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's a long time. Longer than five years, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. I kind of obviously, you know, people want to know more about us probably because it's been 20 episodes now. They're like, okay, you're giving great advice about the Amazon business, but, you know, how, how you know, relatable are you to my experience? And that's what we really like to show people because, as it says, we're real people with a real business and, you know, we want real freedom. So that's what we're trying to inspire. So explain to me, Kirsty, before you started your, you know, journey and your incredible ups and downs on, on Amazon, what was your life like and what were you doing before you discovered this type of business model? Yeah. So you can probably tell I'm English. So I, I was born and bred in Yorkshire in England, in Bradford, and um, I also went to Hull University as well in case, yeah, it's funny because one of somebody that was coming into our coaching. One of them's from Bradford and one of them's from Hull Uni as well, which is quite funny. Um, and then I, I went to uni. I, did, I did, didn't do marketing. I did English literature, right? So I can read well, let's put it that way. <laughs> the most helpful major there is, right? <laughs> oh no, it's like I can speed read. <laughs> Happy days, right? <laughs> and I know, you know, the, the complete works of Shakespeare. It comes in handy for pub quizzes. That's about it, really. So yeah, so that's what I did at uni. So I didn't really have any background or anything in that. And then I was like, oh, it's too hard, this university lark. So I wanted to go traveling for a bit. So I actually went to Australia um, traveling and I was like, oh, I loved, I loved the place. And I was like, I'm definitely coming back here, right? I'm definitely coming back. But I had to go back. I was actually engaged at the time to, to, a, to a boy. So uh, I was like, I better go back and get married. And then I was like, actually, I don't want to do that. So yeah. <laughs> I got back. I was like, nah, not going to do the marriage thing, but I, I probably need to get a job. So that's what I did. I ended up in marketing because I started working in a bar, as you do. And the guy, we used to put on bands and we used to put on comedy acts and stuff like that. And then the guy who ran the place was like, well, you seem like you've got a bit of a brain. So would you mind like running the acts and stuff? I was like, yeah, cool. And I was, you know, doing radio. I was just trying to get basically some marketing going. I didn't know it was marketing at the time. And then I kind of realized what it was. But in the meantime, I was also doing like interviews for when you've been at uni in England, they do this thing. It's called like the, the milk round where basically there's big companies that are going around and they're, they're interviewing university, ex, you know, university graduates, basically. Yeah. I think we call them like job fairs here or something like that. Right. It's probably yeah. similar. And um, 
Luckily in England, they're not really that bothered about vocational uni, uh, degrees. It's more like you bothered to get one at that point. Anyway, it was a long time ago. So I ended up then working for Mars Foods, which was is like pedigree and whiskers as a marketing assistant. So I kind of like got by by saying, yeah, I've run some kind of radio ads because I worked in a bar and where they gave me a job. And then from there, I really loved it. I just loved um, the whole creative creative aspect to it but also I actually really enjoyed the consumer aspect to it as in understanding what the core insight is for someone to want to buy something I just found that fascinating so I kind of went on that journey I then ended up working at another company it was more like a health it was a healthcare company and then I worked on Durex condoms but all the time I still really wanted to go back to Australia and that's where I met Amanda Amanda Tucker who's actually one of our coaches now um and works with us in the in the coaching group and she she was born and bred like marketing through and through you know she'd been uh she'd kind of come up the corporate way uh but we're quite different but then we kind of hit it off as well and she wanted a break so we decided she was going to go to thailand and we'd go around asia first and then i'd i'd go off to australia but then as we decided to we were planning this together she was like oh, i think i'll just come to australia as well so that's what we kind of planned on doing so by this point, I'm like nearly 30. So we're like, yep, yeah, let's let's go and let's see if we can make our fortune in Australia. So that's what we did. So we off we went traveling and then I, I ended up getting a role at um, GlaxoSmithKline. And then I continued kind of my marketing corporate career from there. So I've got these kind of like passions of travel, but also I enjoy kind of the consumer marketing side as well. But the problem was that when I was, um, as I started to go through my career, the higher up the ladder, the more money you get which is awesome for your bank account, but the more kind of bollocks there is in the com- in the situation, right? Because basically what you end up doing is just managing a bunch of people, but you don't have any real drive or not power is the wrong word, but empowerment basically to do your own thing. And I started to get very frustrated with that. So um, I started to look for something different because I was like, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I'm living in an amazing country. I love traveling. But I don't get the chance to do any of it. I don't get the chance to actually, you know, enjoy any of it. So I started to go to seminars and stuff. At that point, they, would, they do these kind of like seminars. I'm sure they do them in the US as well, where, yeah. you know, it's not like webinars. It's uh, like... Yeah, sit in a room with like 150 to 1,000 people, depending on how big the seminar is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, you know, a little bit, you know, broken and they want to <laughs> do something different. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. So yeah, I ended up buying like, oh, I spent 60 grand easy on courses. Like, so how to how to sell on eBay, how to renovate houses, how to do share trading, how to do websites. And the one that really kind of started to work was the eBay one because it's quite similar to what I was doing. So I was kind of buying a product. I actually was buying it from AliExpress, bringing it over, putting it on eBay and then I was shipping it myself. So I was going to work, you know, so I've, I've got this kind of like high powered job and then I'm literally putting the envelopes in the, in the post box on my way to work. But I'm like, I can't keep continue to do this because basically what I'm doing is I'm just kind of trading a job for another job. And I'm not really sure if, if it's going to be big enough for me to actually leave my job. And that's when I read the four hour work week. Well, let me stop you there because, you know, obviously you've, you've seen all this stuff, right? You've seen all the ways you can make money. You've bought, you know, I think it was like real estate stuff. You did like day trading, some of this other stuff, right? So like a lot of other investment strategies. 
And then obviously you read four hour work week and that started talking about e-commerce lifestyle and, and not fulfilling the stuff yourself. So between that point there of all this money you invested, you know, a lot of people would just say, I've put money into it. So I might as well give it a try for like a couple of years. But what was like the, the, the moment where you were like, every time, like this thing's not working, this thing's not working. And then obviously when you read four hour work week, what did that lead you to? And how did you get started selling on the Amazon platform? Yeah, because, you know, I like the idea. So for instance, like real estate and renovation and all this other thing, like I knew you can make money on, on real estate, um, but it's so cash intensive. Like you have to have the money up front. You know, you have to be able to have the right project managers that come in and do the whole thing. I mean, otherwise, what are you doing? What I never renovated a house before. I never even owned a house. Like I still don't own a house personally. So I was like going from totally not knowing anything about this thing, right? And then investing a lot of money in it just felt too risky for me at that point. Share trading, I really just didn't believe it. I think, I think that's what it was. And also um, it was kind of too out of my, again, out of my, it was too foreign. And I, I was like, I, can I see myself? Am I, what am I doing here? Am I, it's too foreign for me to, to, to make money out of it. So the four hour work week, what that allowed me to do is when I read that, it just kind of, things kind of fell into place because I was like, okay, if I want to lead this lifestyle, I don't need something that's going to make me millions of dollars. I just need something that's going to fuel me to live the life that I want to leave, lead. So that kind of calmed me down a bit. It took the pressure off because I was like, I don't need all this money. I just need enough to live a lifestyle. And so I started to look into, um, you know, other places to live like Bali and, and places like that, because it was cheaper to live. Also traveling, you know, where could I go? Cause I'd already been in Asia. So I knew it was a lot cheaper to, to live there. And I loved Asia. So that's the kind of thing I was thinking of. I was like, well, to be able to do that, I need to find something that, that allows me to do that. And eBay was kind of the closest, but then I still needed warehouses in Australia or wherever I was going to sell. Then I started to think about websites. I was like, yeah, brilliant. Okay, let's do websites. And, and again, I made, a, I made a bit of money through that, but it was very expensive. Again, running ads and stuff and learning all that. It was, again, it was too far of a leap. And then through all that journey, you end up on someone's list, right? And then they send you a thing about, hey, what about Amazon? And so that's when it clicked for me because I was like, great, I can sell on all the major markets in the world, i.e. the US, the UK, um, not just, I'm not relying on Australia and also Amazon do everything. And so I just need to get really good at like one or two things. And then it, it would make sense. I, I could make money on that. And so it just, everything fell into place. If I'd have seen that first, maybe I wouldn't have jumped in on it the way I did, but because I'd done all those other things, all the things that were wrong with those, the Amazon kind of fixed it. I like how you call it the Amazon. The Amazon. <laughs> I was going to say the Amazon model and I forgot the yeah. model bit. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah. The Amazon business model. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, you jump in, you're excited, you know, like every new seller, you get, you get your, your products start to develop. You, you've got a brand in mind. You know, most people don't even, you know, put the brand together until way later and figure it out then. But um, you had that kind of corporate marketing background. You knew that a brand was going to be the way to go. You put this together, you start selling, you're sitting in Bali at the time, right? You, yeah. You're thinking, okay, well, obviously you're not going to be drop shipping or doing like manual fulfillment from there. So you're like, all right, get my goods, send them into the Amazon U S marketplace and you start selling. So yep. kind of tell me first six months, what was the experience like? 
So, yeah, like you say, I mean, I, I had, I was, I was kind of looking in, in a sense because I decided that this was going to be for me. And so I actually worked with my HR director at the time to kind of, I better not say maneuver, but basically we came up with this plan to make me redundant because at that point, um, you you could get a good pay. I've been at GSK for like 10 years or whatever. So I was going to get a great redundancy payment. And I was like, great, if I, if I can have that, it's going to give me enough to live on. So I wasn't too pressured, but I was pressured enough because I was, there's no way I was going back to corporate. So that's when I decided to go to Bali and got the product live, like you said. Um, and I said to myself, I'm not going to go back to Australia until I've turned over $10,000, right? Now, I had no idea how to do that at the time because I did a course called ASM, which probably a lot of people have heard of, Amazing Selling Machine. And it was the first round, right? Now it's ASM 12 or something, right? But yeah. now it was ASM 1. There were no, there was nothing like it was now, right? So there was no kind of tools, uh, no launching tools. There was no launch strategies. There was none of that. But there, were, there wasn't as much competition either. So you kind of had that in your favor. So it was just kind of a bunch of people trying to figure out how to launch stuff. So I put my first product live. I went to sleep because Bali's got obviously on that different time zone. I got up and I'd sold two and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I, I'm, this is going to work. It's going to work. Right. And then the next day I sold nothing. I was like, oh, okay. And then the next day I sold one and then again, nothing. And then it was like 10. And then, and I was like, I've got to get some consistency here because otherwise what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, and then just working with other people in the group and understanding a bit more about how Amazon works around actually what you need to do is get a bunch of sales, get ranked for the main keywords, and then that's when you're going to get the traffic. And so once I'd figured that out, I was like, okay, what I need to do is actually just do a couple of things really well. Work directly on Amazon. Because another th another key thing was, was that there's a lot of people out there saying, okay, now you've got to run Google ads. Now you've got to run Facebook ads. You've got to do all this stuff. And I was getting completely overwhelmed with all of that. And then it just clicked for me one day. I was like, you know what? The reason I'm doing Amazon is because that's where all the traffic is. So if I just focus on that, then I'm going to get good at that, right? I'm just going to get good at getting my keywords in there and making sure that I use the Amazon-sponsored ads platform. At the time, it was I think it was pretty new. Like, <laughs> I think it only just launched. Yeah, I remember that. That was like 2013. So I think they were just yeah. talking about like, hey, we're, we're bringing out the Amazon ad platform. I think it might have come out 2013, 2012, somewhere in there. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty it new. Was and fairly nobody new. was really using it at all. No, and it was just kind of like, okay, well, if I just get get my listing seen everywhere. And I kind of took the principles from what I'd learned, you know, in, in marketing, if you just get it visible and then have a great price, like a trial price, then people will want to buy it. I'll get more reviews. And I really focused hard on getting really good reviews as well. Um, and that's pretty much what I did. And just focusing in on those core things, that's when things started to really move. And I made, I got to like this 10,000. I was like, brilliant. Went back to Australia. And it just exploded pretty much from there. Yeah. And so that's pretty good to see, you know, because the the concepts of keeping things simple and getting focused and getting good at those things, like, be good at like two or three things, or even just really good at one thing um, usually leads to more success than trying everything under the sun and being bad at all of them. Right. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a great lesson. You know, obviously exactly the same thing for us and our members stay focused and be good at like a couple of things, get really good at those. Once you get a good at those, you're pretty much unstoppable in, in almost any market or any skill level, like anything that you can think of. If you just 
focus on that thing for so long and, and, and commit to it, you're going to be good at it. So that's the one thing I think is, is, is probably a foreign concept for a lot of people to understand is because a lot of people want to get good at everything, know everything and try to do everything. So that way they give themselves the best chance. But in reality, that's actually giving them the worst chance of succeeding. Yeah, because that's how I felt. I just felt completely overwhelmed with everything that I needed to work on. And I was like, yeah, this isn't what, this isn't what I envisioned, right? When, when I was like pulling together what I wanted to do. And so I think by just eliminating the stuff, the, the way I kind of did it was I said to myself, okay, I don't know anything about Google. I don't know anything about YouTube. I don't know anything about that. And you, I went on Facebook. So I was like, okay, if I can maybe get a Facebook group together, and then someone showed me how to run an ad, for instance, right? And so I just literally set a very small ad budget. I think it was like $2 a day and just got people to like the page. And then I also built up that page and just got a VA to kind of post stuff in there. Um, and then I used that as well as a good kind of launch platform was just kind of, you know, writing in there, hey, we've got a great deal, just messages if you want to be in. And that worked very, very well as well. So just having that with understanding Amazon sponsored ads and then following up for a review, that was kind of the process that I used over and over again. And it just worked. And then I thought to myself, well, brilliant. If, if I can do this, so I got to like $30,000 a month with one product and I was like, okay, great. I'll just do this over and over again. And I literally just pulled like a, like a plan or a forecast together I had no idea what I was going to sell, but I just said, if I can do one of these every two or three months with four of these, I could have like a million dollar business. And that's kind of what I worked towards. I was like, okay, well, how, how do I do that? I need four products or I need to just take this one product and put it into other marketplaces because I was so used to doing that with GSK or like other corporate businesses. We were like, yeah, we've got one core brand and we just like, launch that in every every marketplace um so it didn't feel like a foreign concept and also i wasn't actually selling in the market where i lived so i just it didn't make any difference to me whether i sent it to the us or sent it to the uk it just didn't make yeah. any difference yeah so that's kind of that was my core strategy was to take the same thing and launch it into different marketplaces yeah and one thing i like about that is you actually said it that the, the the, the main thing that drove you to creating this was that you basically wanted to treat it like a business. You started doing forecasts. You actually said, I want a million dollar business, not a million dollar product. Yeah. And that's the difference between what people think is the reality and what people have to know is the reality is that it's not a product based business in the sense that you can just put up a product and it'll sell. You have to do it like a regular business, like any corporate business would you just have the opportunity to kind of shortcut a lot of these other things like massive overheads and, you know, all these other like, you know, payroll expenses and all that stuff. You can cut out all this stuff and you can cut out the middleman of the retail and just put it right in front of the customer, right where they're looking. And you, you make more profit on that kind of a, an opportunity. So when you realize that it's a business and it's not just about selling a product like eBay or, or uh, garage sales, for example, it's a business. You're literally pursuing something that's going to create revenue and income for you ongoing every month and every year. And if you, if you forecast this stuff out, you can actually plan for the success of the business as well as yourself. And, yeah. you know, most people just don't do that. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think I just got used to it because that's what I used to do in corporate, right? So we, we'd have products that we knew we were going to sell and we made an estimate of how much we were going to sell. We had no we we had data to support it, but it's still, it was just based on research. It wasn't based on anything else. We hadn't never launched this thing before. So I just kind of took that approach with Amazon and said, okay, well, if if the market is doing this, then I can take a portion of what they're selling. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna forecast based on what the top guy is doing right now, although eventually I will get there. I'm going to forecast half of what that guy is doing or girl is doing um, because I know I can probably hit somewhere in between. And that's how you plan a forecast. You don't, people say, oh, so I just guess. And you're like, well, no, you're not guessing. You're actually using the data. But yeah, you are taking a guesstimate, if you like, of where you can get to. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with estimations? I mean, everybody has to do it at least to start. And then when you put that plan in action, it's going to tell you what the true date is. And then you just put that into the actual forecast later. You know, you got your forecasts and you got your actuals. I mean, this happens even on the stock market to this day. You think everybody knows what the stock's going to be worth from one day to the next? No, because if they did, they'd be quadrillionaires and they'd make all this money, right? Otherwise, what's the point? But that's the thing. You have to understand how to be able to forecast. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for failure, in my opinion. And I know. Yeah, you just kind of aimlessly hoping that you're going to sell something. If you've got a target to aim for, that's what you're going for. You're like, yeah, I'm going for that. I'm not going to stop until I've got to that point. Um, Whereas what we found working with people is that what tends to happen is it's like, I'm going to sell this thing and I'm just, I want to get more, I'm going to squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it because I think I can get more or, okay, I'm I'm doing two units a day and I don't know how to get there, right? So it's it's a very good to target, basically. That's what you want to aim for. And I think, Another key thing about the simplicity was right away, because of my background, I went, I'm just going to focus on one core area that I'm interested in. And then I'm going to look for products underneath that thing versus you can sell anything on Amazon, right? And make money, pretty much anything. Yep. But that is then a massive sea of confusion and overwhelm. So just being able to kind of like zero in on one area that you're interested in. And also an area that's not a fad, you know, something that you know is going to continue and continue and continue, an interest, an area, not a product, and then build a brand around that thing. Then that's that was my my core thing from day one. I didn't realize that that was actually not something that a lot of people did back then, right? Yeah. You know, because they were looking for the million dollar product, like you said. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously you had a, a pretty successful rise you know, things were looking really good. They're on the right trajectory. And uh, you're sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to go really well. But I mean, you didn't go without hurdles. You you and I both have made some costly mistakes. And I'd, I'd like to ask, you know, what kind of hurdles have you uh, run into? And what was probably the most costly mistake you ever made? Yeah, I mean, in terms of things that I did, definitely feeling like this thing was going to be infinite forever. Right. I mean, I just felt like because I'd had home run, home run, home run and was like, yeah, right. I'm just going to do more of this, more, more, more. And so what I did was I ended up taking that first forecast, which was great. It actually all went to plan, made the made million, not made, but I turned over a million dollars in like 10 months. I traveled the world all through that year. Happy days. I'm like, this thing's working. This is amazing. And so I'm going to do, I'm going to triple that. Right. I'm going to you know, five times it next year. So I decided to launch 10 new products. 
and did that. But what I ended up doing was, was actually tying up a ton of inventory. Not every product was a a home run anymore. Um, I put them into all markets. And so I was, I was kind of like, things weren't going as, as I planned and the cash flow was getting tighter and tighter because I'd kind of overextended myself. Right. And because I had so much stuff that I needed to focus on, um, I pretty much did what I, we tell obviously now people not to do because I didn't know where the, the gaps were. I didn't know, you know, what was working, what wasn't working. So what I ended up having to do was kind of strip a lot of that right back. And you've got to be comfortable with stuff that doesn't work. You've just got to be able to go, okay, that didn't work. I'm not a failure. That failed. What did I do wrong? What, how do I fix it for next time? Um, and it's allowed me to build a stronger business in the future by doing that right there and then. Luckily, we still had some cash in the bank, but we were pretty close to not having any cash because we had kind of tied it all up in stuff that wasn't selling. Yeah, and I think that's the, the difference between having profitable products and cash in the bank. People just don't get that. There is, there is a difference in the idea that you actually have cash coming back faster than you're spending it out, right? And so yeah. launching 10 products in a short period of time you're not just paying for just the inventory. You're also paying for the launch costs, the ongoing ad campaigns, all that stuff. And it mounts up very fast. And then reorders come and, you know, maybe some of them aren't selling very well. So that cash flow is not coming back into your business. And it's like, oh crap, like I've got all this stuff to take care of. I don't have the time to try to focus on each thing now spread so thin with time that you're just like watching things fall apart. It's like, you, as you always say, like you're spinning plates and then you know, that plate way down there at the end, it starts wobbling, you're like, run over there and everything comes over, over here, comes crashing yeah. down. So um, it is very much like that. And cash flow is, is very fickle. And if you're not very attentive to income versus like costs and expenses, you're going to run out of cash before you know it. And that gets very tight and very scary, especially like in your situation, when you're not working and you don't have a job. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you're bootstrapping the business, right? Because that's, you know, that's what we always say to people. I mean, we didn't, I didn't have like a massive uh, investor giving me a lot of money and going out there and had a massive team. But to be honest, that's a, I think that's better because you're very conscious. You should be conscious about where, where you're putting your dollars. I just thought at that point, because everything had gone so well that this thing was going to continue. I didn't expect competition to come in. I didn't expect to pri- for pricing to come down. So that's, that's the thing as, as, as uh, marketplaces become more developed, as brands become more developed, then what happens is, is that commodity pricing, it starts to have an effect, right? And it, the yeah. prices start to come down and we weren't negotiating quick enough either with our supplier to help with that profitability and cash flow as well. So that was another like double whammy that was happening at the same time as tying up all the cash. So we had pricing coming down, we had profitability coming down, and then we also had stuff that wasn't working and, and cash flow tied up. So yeah. those two things coupled together, that, that can prove a bit of a scary ride. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you get to that point where you're like, you're, you're clinching really hard about the business because you're like, oh man, it used to be so easy. Now it's like, oh crap, this this is where the rest of my skill sets come in, right? So Um, You know, if I was to ask you, you know, getting over these hurdles, overcoming them, you know, a lot of people would say, you know what, I'm in trouble. Like I might just roll this whole business up and just quit. What do you think was like your unique skill set that kind of helped you become successful and helps you to overcome those kinds of obstacles? I think just knowing that anything can be overcome, Mm -hmm. anything. So I think 
having the kind of job that I did, not necessarily marketing, but just there was a lot of problems that always came up, right? And so um, I was kind of trained in problem solving. So there was, I knew there was always a way out. The key thing that I always do when I'm feeling overwhelmed or anything like that, I always go back to the numbers and the data and I go, okay, like just take the emotion out of it. Even though you love this one product and it's not working, don't worry about that thing, right? Go back to the numbers. What's making the money? What's gone? What's happening with your metrics? And, you know, objectively looking at what's failing. Can I actually overcome that one thing? And if I can't do it quickly and inexpensively, then I need to get rid of it. And so it's kind of like a objective number crunching elimination process, right? And so that's kind of what I did. And I was like, okay, this one's not working. This one's not working. Where can I, where am I overspending? Um, You know, I had a bunch of stuff that like subscriptions and stuff, the things that we always tell people now, right? That that I'd kind of like got into and I'd forgotten, you know, we had a thousand dollars a month going out just from doing crap like that. I wasn't looking at my ads properly. I wasn't, I wasn't focused on every dollar that was going into my business because I just thought it was abundant and it was always going to give us fruit. And so I just got very good at knowing the metrics, knowing the numbers and calling and making decisions quickly, being able to make decisions to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's where you get a lot of clarity from is knowing what's happening and being present in the business and seeing the numbers, the data, the success, the, the failures, and just seeing, you know, what, what, what levers and switches you can pull and, and and flip to basically make this business work the way it's supposed to. Now, obviously when you have too many products that it gets very hard to do and it gets very cumbersome and overwhelming. So that's like when you said you start scaling it back, right? So like, Oh, maybe I, and you know, it, it sucks to like, you know, scale back on products because these things have good potential, but at the same time, if they're ruining the business in the meantime to get mm-hmm. to that potential, you got to let them go. Yeah, it's almost a bit like pruning weeds or pruning a tree, right? It's kind of like, you know, when a tree starts to die, but if you just pruned it in the right way, it'll start to grow again. And, and that's how I feel about business because you can oversaturate on lots of different things. But as soon as you start to kind of cut stuff out, and we've done it in our business as well, right? You know, even the coaching business, certain things that we were doing and you like it wasn't working. So you have to get rid of it and you feel so much lighter from for doing that. So, um, that is the number one thing you should always do is to prune and you will making those decisions quickly and moving forward just means that you're going to feel a lot lighter. Yeah. So yeah, obviously great insights, great story, obviously. Um, You know, it's one of those things when you look back and you just go, I can't believe that was only like five, six, seven years ago. Now it's like how different our lives are now than when we were like working for the man and doing what we're doing now. It's like, I can't believe that it's been this long and we have, you know, lived self-employed essentially. So um, very awesome story. Do you have any final things that you'd like to spread to the the masses and let them know about for, from your point of view about Amazon? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's a great ride. I, I be- still believe today, obviously that it's the best business to get into. Uh, if you're looking for a lifestyle change, if you're looking for a way to inexpensively start a business, right? It's not without cost. Of course it's not. But at the end of the day, um, it's not like buying a franchise. It's not, I mean, I see some of these like business models out there and, and you, people are spending like $250,000 on something to buy something that they have no idea how to do, how to run. And then it takes 25 years to get a return from that thing, right? Yeah. So just, you know, it's and, a great And they're happy model. to do it, by the way. 
Yeah. Yeah. They love it. They're like, oh, I'm grinding in this thing and I'm working ever hard. I'm working every day. The key thing about these businesses, it, you it's very inexpensive to start. You've got to keep it simple. Uh, you've got to be prepared to let go. Right. And I think you've also got to be prepared to let go from you doing everything as well. So this is what stops people scaling as well thinking that you have to do everything yourself and feeling like you can't outsource anything. I mean, that was one of the key things that I did. Week two, I'd had, what, 10 sales? I hired a customer service manager because I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, because (laughs) I would reply back to everybody. I was like, no, I ain't got time for that. So, but that, I beach time. Exactly, right. (laughs) But, you know, I love doing like, you know, the logos and the creative part and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to be dragged into, you know, answering stuff. So I suppose I was lucky because I had that some of that cash reserve there. But really, it's very inexpensive, right? Right now, if if I'd have known about sourcing agents, I would have done that right from the beginning as well, right? Just having someone on the ground in China. So think about hiring key roles within your business up front to get some, rid of a lot of the crap that takes time and time and time out of your day so that you can actually focus on the growth of the business itself. And I think the other core, core point is, is that know your numbers, like know your numbers inside out in terms of what cash is coming back, how much money you've got to play with. And we always say this as well, like take profit first, but always pay, start to pay yourself as soon as you can, because mm-hmm. that's going to give you the inspiration and the, the reason why you're doing it, right? Otherwise, this sometimes it can feel like a grind. But once you start taking that money out and seeing seeing how the seeds are starting to grow, then that just gives you back the inspiration as well. Yeah, and I think the uh, the very going back to one of your very first points was, you know, when you when you get stuck in something, reach out to people who are doing this as well and yeah. see if they can help you. You said you reached out to the community uh, from the ASM community because you're like, okay, what well, what should I be focusing on? Yeah. And you got some ideas and you said, you know what, that thing was the one thing I want to do, or that thing was the other thing I want to do. And then you just stuck with that and focused on that. And just getting that clarity from somebody else is like mind blowing because we sit in our businesses all day and, and, you know, we sit in the office at a computer or whatever we do, and we could sit there for eight to 10 hours, but we're only going to think our own thoughts. It only takes 10 seconds for somebody to come in look at it and go, well, why does that look off? And you're like, I've been looking at that for like six months. I haven't seen anything different about it. But now that you say, yeah, it's clear as day that that thing is off. So just having somebody else look at something in your business is mind-blowingly like, uh, you know, helpful for your business and helpful. Oh, yeah. I mean, even now, like, you know, I'll do a new listing and I'll ask you guys to have a look at it or whatever and say, you know, does my main image look good? You know, I mean, and I've been doing this for six, seven years, but you're never above anyone else coming in and looking at your business. And because they, like you say, they see things that you just don't see because you're so in it the whole time. So having a community is important. Go to events, you know, if you can go to an event, meet real people, then do that as well. Because like you said, it can be a lonely business. And I have, that's how I met you, obviously an event, not an Amazon one, but we kind of knew each other through Amazon. So that's, you know, make sure you get out there and you do that kind of stuff. You might feel like it's in out of inside your comfort zone, but it's the way you're going to get through stuff as well as, you know, when, you know, hopefully most of it's going to go really well for you, but there's going to, it's business and things are going to go shit. And so you just need to be able to, you know, get over it. You know, as we say in Australia, build a bridge, get over it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, I want to obviously thank our very special guest today, Kirsty Verity. Thanks so much for the great insights and the information. And, 
you know, obviously guys, that should be inspiring to you to see that, you know, massive mistakes, uh, lack of knowledge, lack of expertise, lack of experience, all that stuff can be overcome. But the, the thing matters is how, how, you know, how successful do you want to be? How hard do you want it? How much do you want to actually make this? But really set some goals, get a plan, get a community, get some insight, get some advice, have people around you help you. And if that doesn't, you know, if that's something that you don't feel comfortable with, you know, the business might be a little bit more challenging than you originally would have thought. But, you know, you guys, if you like what you heard from the show today, obviously, you know, let us know in some comments, email us, do whatever, uh, you know, talk about Kirsty. You know, if you want to share your experience with Kirsty, feel free to reach out to us. Um, but be sure to hit the subscribe button, share a podcast with friends who might get value out of it as well. Also, if you're looking for some absolutely free training on how to help you build this Amazon business, head to www.goteamreal.com to see our real Amazon seller training there. And then we'll see you on the next show and wish you the best for your business. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you would like to get more information about selling on Amazon, head to goteamreal.com for some absolutely free training.